Oh, Tom, there we go. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sunday night service. Amen. Who is glad to be together tonight in the house of the Lord? Praise God. We're going to have a fantastic evening together. Uh, we're going to be baptizing 11 more people tonight. So who's excited about that? Yeah. Amen. That'll be towards the uh, end of the service. Praise God. Hey, ushers, you can go ahead and open up some of these back rows because uh, we're going to have more people tonight. So, all right. Yeah, we just asked that uh, during service, we're not going to sit in the coffee bar unless you need special assistance or something like that. So the ushers are going to open up this other section for us this evening. Praise the Lord. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open things up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we want to keep believing God that our nation's coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise, and you may be seated. Okay, we'll go through some announcements here uh, this evening. Uh, like we said, we're going to be doing baptisms towards the end of the service, so uh, sit tight for that. Uh, men, we have our March men's meeting is coming up this Saturday at 9 a.m. Yeah, hard to believe we're going to be in March already, but um, that's this Saturday, 9 a.m. in Victory Hall. It's breakfast, Bibles, and bros, so we'll provide uh, we'll provide the breakfast. Uh, you bring your own Bible and your bro, and uh, we'll be there. It's going to be a great time, so... I don't know how, know how else to say that, but okay. And then here's the, the excitement for this next announcement. Some of you know what it is, but the excitement has just been through the roof, unhinged. Uh, I'm just trying to like get everybody to calm down, but it's this. There is a church work day on March 9th, everyone. Oh, wow. And you're like, well, what's that? Well, uh, usually around springtime with Easter coming up, we got some things to do, a little spring cleaning. And so uh, we got a few projects, some landscaping and uh, various other things. And so anyway, we know that, hey, a church isn't really your home until you help out with the chores, right? Okay, so Saturday the 9th. 8 a.m. to noon, and rumor has it there will be food involved, and so, you know, I'm not saying that you would only work for food, but it is definitely, it helps, right? It does help uh, when the boss provides food, so uh, there will be, there should be food that day, all right? And then uh, moving on to an actual exciting announcement, on March 16th, we have Pastor Gerald Brooks from Plano, Texas coming in, yeah. 
Now this will, he can only be with us at the 10 a.m. service, all right? He has to catch a flight after that, but he won't be here at night. But the 10 a.m. service, uh, he is just an extraordinary man of God. Pastors a great church in Plano over there in the Dallas area. And we're very, very privileged and honored that he has chosen to come to Barstow of all places because he has a lot of invitations and he specifically wanted to join us uh, with this opening. So mark that on your calendar. Don't miss out on that. And then, of course, Easter is going to be coming up. We are just about one month away uh, for Easter. It's going to be the last Sunday of March. And, of course, um, the the play, uh, the practices have started, so we probably need to cross-sign up for the playoff of there. But there's going to be a good Friday service uh, with the play, the Easter play that we're doing. And then on the Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, we're going to have a big Easter egg hunt out here after the service. We're doing 4,000 eggs this year and I don't know how many we have. I know we have over 3,000 for sure so we need to get the rest of the eggs and candy in. We'll try to give you an update on that soon but start bringing in candy and the children will be doing a musical performance on that Sunday. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. One of our favorite days of the whole year. So that's coming up, All right. I think that is all the announcements for tonight. So who knows what time it is? Amen. It's happy time. Yes, because God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, if you need an envelope for your tithes and your offerings, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. We're going to go in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to tag on to what my dad did. He did this verse this morning. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. We'll do it in the King James. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 and the King James. Amen. If you're given online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. But Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. It says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Well, why would he want that? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, even as it is this day. And so it tells us right there that we are to remember the Lord our God. Well, how do we remember the Lord our God? There's probably a lot of different ways we could answer that question. But one thing that I always like to throw out there is we remember him one way is by obeying his word, remembering his word and being a doer of the word of God. And so no doubt about it, when we bring our tithe and our offering in, we are remembering God with our finances. We're remembering that he's the one that blessed us in the first place. Because if you're like me, you wouldn't have anything at all if God hadn't set it up for you and given it to you. Amen. There's no way. He's blessed me with every good thing that I have. And so I always want to obey his word in this and remember him. And then it says, he does give you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. And so as Christians, uh, as we are blessed, what do we do, man? We bless other people. We support the gospel. We support evangelism. We let people know the good news about Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. Well, let's stand up together. Praise God. We are going to speak some words of faith over our giving. And then we're going to get into some worship tonight and get into the word of God. Amen. It's going to be awesome. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive 
jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Do you want you can join me up front at the altar for praise and worship? And we'll worship the Lord together tonight. I wandered through the darkness, wasting away. My soul was cold and hopeless, and dead in the grave. Like a river of life in a dry land, like a flicker of sight to a blind man, I saw the glorious light. As it broke in, God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope. You're the risen Christ. You restore my soul. Oh, you brought me back to life. brilliance of your glory awakens my soul. You give me grace and mercy. I give you control. And like a river of life in a dry land, and like a flicker of sight to a blind man, I saw the glorious light as it broke in and God of mercy and might oh you brought me back to life you're the Lord of light shining in the dark you're the source of life beating in my heart you're the living hope you're the risen Christ you restore my soul oh you brought me back to life You are the resurrector, you conquered the grave. You pulled me from the water, free from my chains, and risen to live. Like a river of life in a dry land, like a flicker of sight to a blind man. I saw the glorious light as it broke in. God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope. You're the risen Christ. You restore my soul. Oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life. 
beating in my heart. You're the living hope. You're the risen Christ. You restore my soul. Oh, you brought me back to life.
giants fall when you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, we thank you that you love the world so much. You sent your only begotten Son. Whosoever believes that him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for all the people that have been born again here in this past season. For those that are baptized this morning, getting baptized tonight. Lord, we're so glad to see that you're working in this church. That people's lives are being changed for eternity, Lord. As, as we approach your word tonight, we thank you that people are being discipled. They're learning. They're being trained to work in the ministry of reconciliation, to be soul winners. Lord, thank you that we're able to teach people how to stay saved and not turn back and go the other directions. Thank you for the Holy Spirit moving tonight and speaking to hearts, for tender hearts, teachable spirits, and people that want to go out and work for you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 All right. Hallelujah. Well, how many is getting baptized tonight? No, we got all the bab, 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 baptized, baptized, bab, or teasers, whatever, tonight in one section over there. Pretty much good, 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 good. Wise choice, born again, baptized in the name of Jesus. I was thinking this morning when we was baptizing all those this morning that when I was freshman in high school, I got born again. And went to the Baptist church and, uh, Brother Dixon baptized me back in 1965 and it stuck. <laughs> Amen. I didn't live for Jesus for a few years, but that one time baptized was real to me. It's always stayed with me and I just praise God that uh, we have a church that's getting people born again and baptized. Aren't you? It's nice to be here. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the mystery of reconciliation. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the, the official title is, We're All Called to the Ministry of Reconciliation. We're all called to the Ministry of Reconciliation. We're going to see that for the Word of God here in just a minute. But uh, how, how many know what the theme verse is for this church for this year? Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And Mrs. Pastor made these when Pastor Dave got that. And, of course, that verse is on the calendars. And I... I, in my devotional, I always stick that. There's a bookmark for me. I get, I look at that every day and think about that. And, uh, Luke 10, 2 in the New Living Translation says this. Are you ready? Who's ready to say it with me? We got it. Okay. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Amen. How many know that you're a worker for Jesus? Amen. Whether you like it or not, when you, when you got born again, you signed up. You said, Hey, I'm in. I want to do this. But, uh, how many like to be trained workers? You know, I was telling Mrs. Pastor, we talked about this coming to church back in 1984, 1985. That's been a few years ago, hasn't it? We started the first phase of our first ministry. It's called Labors of the Harvest. 
And I was thinking, when I say about that tonight, I forgot about that. I was getting ready to come and I thought, man, we got, we had those cards and materials laid somewhere. We were through all of our archives and things we have at home. I thought every once in a while we'd run across material for the laborers, the harvest days. And this was so real to us, always has been. We used to go door to door, knock on people's doors and, uh, by the Holy Ghost, know who we could talk to and how much we could do. I got a lot of people saved, a lot of people healed, a lot of things happened. But uh, the verse that we had for our theme verse was Colossians 1.28 in the Living Bible. And that's what we had in all of our materials. It says this, so everywhere we go, we talk about Christ to all who will listen. That was our mission. That was our theme. Always has been. I remember we first, I remember we first got married. Uh, we, we, there used to be a little college in our town called Indiana Central University. And uh, don't do this. We don't want to have to get you out of jail. But we were so hungry for Jesus and so not smart about a lot of things that we go through the dormitories with the kids were going for the weekend and we put tracks on everything. We walk in there just to try on the doors that in that college just put salvation tracks everywhere. And we go through the supermarkets and, uh, you know, it's, it's a little different now than it was back then, but they had the Playboy magazine stuff right out the front where everybody saw them. We'd go up and be paying, and while we was paying, we'd be slipping tracks in the Playboys. And we walk up the beer aisle, and they used to have these great big beer cases that had 24 bottles of beer in them. We slipped tracks down the beer cases. I mean, everywhere we did, everywhere we went, we tried to get the message, the gospel message out. And especially the times we live in now, it would be so easy to get cold for Jesus in the times we live in. But we got to recognize, and I learned a long time ago, the meanest ones made the best converts. Because I, I learned... I learned from my own life's experiences. I was, I was a pretty mean dude back when I had an afro and bell-bottom platform shoes and with the discotheques, had discotheques that had the beads around my neck and all the stupid stuff. And danced around that ball out there when I was high anyway. I don't know how I stood up. But then, anyway, what I'm saying is, at that season of life, I was mad at everybody and everything. Had a pretty rough life. And then when I got born again, I'd, I'd been born again for probably a couple years. We had this religious guy on the dock where I worked at, had... Uh, I, I, on, my, on my truck, Doc, I led probably 67% of the people there to the Lord. Office people, dock workers, truck drivers. And I walked in the break room one day at break time. This religious guy's in there. And I just led the mechanic to the Lord out of the truck, Doc. I was sitting, I was sitting on the forklift. He come past talking about something and he was convicted because I, I preached to those guys all the time. And I, and I held his hand. I said, Mac, will you play with me? And I led him to the Lord. And so I, I was in there. This, this other worker was there and I'd, I'd been, I'd been on that job a long time. And I said, guess what? Mac just got saved. And he licked his religious chops and goes, did you baptize him? And I said, well, there's no water on the dock. He said that he's not saved. And then I said, wait a minute. I said, you're judging me. Because I told you to let a man to Jesus. I said, all those years I was so mean and mad at you and the world and everybody else. Why would you never tell me about Jesus? He said, I thought you was too mean to get saved. And so I said, and I was a baby Christian, you know, a couple years old, didn't know much, but I knew this. I knew, have anybody ever heard of a guy named Saul of Tarsus in the New Testament? What was his main claim to fame before he got born again? Putting, putting Christians in prison, some of them dying, 
He was the one that held the clothes of the first martyr, Stephen, when they stoned him to death. Well, he said, well, I thought you too mean to get saved. And I looked at him and I said something like this. You read your Bible, don't you? Yeah, I read my Bible. You know, just all the, all the Bible plan and everything like that. I said, well, what about the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? That, that was Paul after he was Saul. I said, well, I might have been me, but I never killed anybody. He didn't have any answers. And so I learned over the course of time as a Christian that the most meanest people across my path most of the time were the most hurting people. And they wasn't mean because they wanted to be mean. I mean, I can tell you so many stories about people I led the Lord over the years. But as a truck driver, as a truck driver delivered to factories, warehouses, military installations, and all the places I went to, nobody would greet a stranger like someone greeted me as a truck driver because they didn't know me. How could you cuss me out if you don't know me? It's because you hate life. You don't like you. And so I come to find out that the people that were the meanest were the hurtness. And also found most of the time my own experiences, they were the easiest. Amen. They were hurting so bad and they was used to intimidating everybody. They hurt so bad in life, they figured if they got the first bark out, people run from them because they were afraid. Well, because the Holy Ghost in me, the love of God in me, and how I was taught by my pastor to be a soul winner, I knew that when they were acting like that, man, they were a target for me. I made them a target. I made him a target. I, I got to get to what we got here, but I'm just thinking of one one story because sometimes stories come out easy on Sunday Sunday nights like this. I had I had this one customer at a place called LS Airs, one of the biggest department store chains in Indiana, and uh, it's on my regular route downtown downtown Indianapolis. And most of the time I got there, my truck I had to go up an alley because I came out the back door, had a freight elevator, come out there, and every time it was the same thing. Had the little old wimp. He come out there, he cussed me. And I put up with that for a while. And finally, one day, I was going up there. I thought, man, this guy, today's his day. I said, man, I'm going to nail him today. And so I prayed. I bowed the devil. And I got there. I had a half dozen boxes for him on the back of my truck. He come out to get him. He started the cussing in. And when he did that, I slammed my door down my truck. I got up. I looked him in the eye. I said, what is your problem? I said, what did I ever do to you? It shocked him because he cussed everybody out. Everybody just kind of intimidated by him. And I said, I want to tell you something. I love you. And Jesus loves you. And the guy took off running the building. Had a little car and stuff on. When he ran in the building, he's going through the warehouse. Has anybody ever seen those old freight elevators? Got the big wooden gate they pull down. It's probably saw them on TV shows. Had one of those. So he jumps on the elevator, tries to pull the gate down, and jumped on with him. As we're riding upstairs there, and all the way upstairs, I'm preaching the love of Jesus to him. I said, man, I said, I've never done anything to you. All you do is cuss me out. You cuss me out every time you cuss me out. I said, you don't even know me. And so anyway, the guy starts crying then. I mean, what's he going to do? I mean, I wasn't all that big. <laughs> you know, little guy, little guy. So I wasn't intimidating. He starts crying. He said, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I said, well, you do. I said, Jesus loves you, man. I said, I, 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 said, I want to help you. And then he starts crying. <laughs> My grandpa was a preacher, and I was raised in church, and I know better than this stuff. So anyway, I got to do a little prayer of whatever I did there, and after that, the guy, the guy never cussed me out anymore. What I'm saying, I learned that hurting people most of the time are the meanest people, and that, you know, just because of things that I learned, that just because people cuss me out, especially strangers, doesn't mean they hate me because they don't know me, know nothing about me, and so we've got to learn. We've got to learn 
that we're out there in everyday life, especially if you work, you meet people every day and every day, you don't know if that's the day's their last breath. You don't know, you don't know that they just lost a loved one. You don't know they just went through a divorce. You don't know they just had a teenager, teenager just got arrested and's in jail. You don't know what they're going through like that. And so we as, we as believers have got to recognize that we've got something in us they need. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called Jesus. And Jesus is in heaven, but we're on earth. And Jesus told us, you preach the gospel. You share your faith. You testify. And it's easy to testify in church. We don't have a whole lot of bad people in church. We want them. And most of us were all bad at one point in time. But we got to know that when we're out there, that's where the Holy Ghost is the greatest. The book of Romans says where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So you got more power out there than you do inside the church. What do you need the power in here for? Mostly good people. <laughs> out there's where the addicts are. Out there's where the thugs are. Out there's where the really messed up alcoholics are. They're out there. Praise God, some of them come in here and get saved and get right with God. But we're the ones that's supposed to help them. So anyway, we're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. Mrs. Pastor and I learned that a long time ago. And this week when I was reading our devotional on Thursday, the 22nd, these verses were on there that we're getting ready to look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. And that's where, that's where this sermon came from. Matter of fact, uh, these devotions here, I was telling Billy this morning that these devotions are so good, these little nuggets, that'd be a good place to start a Bible study at. You know, a lot of you got Bible studies going. That'd be a good thing to go to some of these, just teach what's in here and really help you to help people. But 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21 says this, Therefore, if any man, any woman be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation, and that means born again. Most of us in here, probably maybe everybody in here, I don't know about everybody, but probably everybody in here is a new creature. You've been born again. You're not who you used to be. It's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Hold all things are become new. In my life, I didn't pass away. But I'll tell you what did. Addiction to cigarettes passed away. Addiction to booze passed away. Addiction to some things I don't even want to talk about passed away. That stuff passed away, but I didn't because the guy on the inside here, he passed away. But a new person started on the inside of here. I started as a baby Christian. I started as, 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 as a new person in Christ. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I did get born again as a, as a freshman in high school, but I only stayed saved about a year that I walked away from Jesus for a lot of years. And then I came back. So I mean, about all I knew to do was I could spell Bible. But I didn't know anything in the Bible. I remember John 3.16. That's really big with the Baptist. And it's big with God. It ought to be big with us. Amen. I knew that, knew nothing else. So I started, I started, I started growing and learning, but I did know this. I did know I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to be smoking four packs of Marlboro anymore. I was 28 years old. I smoked four packs of Marlboro cigarettes a day. Except on booze days. That I did twice that. Hey man, 28, 28 and a half years old. I could barely walk across the dock. I had so much nicotine and tar coughing out of my, like that. I mean, I came from a family of smokers and drinkers. So when I got born again, people knew something changed with me. Cussing passed away. Hatred passed away. 
All those things died because the old man died and a new man was born. I'm a new creature in Christ. But look at the next, the next part of this. All things are become new. Uh, you didn't find me in the bars. You found me in the church. Our church had services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and revival two weeks out of the month every month. That's where you found me. And the truck driving friends that I worked with at our, at our, at our particular truck dock, we had our own lockers. Well, on Thursday night and Friday night, I brought a suit in. And I wasn't trying to show off back then. Everybody wore suits. Everybody wore suits, not just preachers. Everybody wore suits. And so I brought my suit in, wouldn't fit my locker. So all day long, these people saw my suit hanging up on that side of my locker. And if, first of all, because they knew what a scoundrel I was, I mean, I didn't want to be mean, but I was mean because I hated life. Things didn't go well in my life. I hated it. So I didn't want to be mean. And so those guys there that I used to drink and run with, they come in and make jokes. Oh, what are you doing going to prayer meeting tonight? And they expected some stupid, dumb answer. I said, yeah, I'm going to prayer meeting. Why are you going to prayer meeting? I said, I'm going to prayer meeting because we study the Bible, we pray, and I want to know Jesus better. And these guys, after a while, they realized I wasn't a phony because I wasn't there. I didn't bring a suit in to just put a badge on. I'm going to church and bring a suit in because I was going to church. Didn't have time to go change clothes. And we didn't want to go to church in my work clothes. Amen. Just, that's, that's just the way it was. I'm saying people knew, people knew that I was a new creature in Christ and I wasn't wearing a badge. I wasn't bragging about things. I lived it. And I talked about Jesus all the time because they talked about their God all the time. Second Corinthians 4, 3 says Satan's the God of this world. And so they talked about him all the time. So it's easy for me to talk about Jesus all the time because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to preach to them to prove I was religious. It's just how I was. I spent my days and my nights with Jesus. I was single at the time. And so I was either in church or I was at work. And in between, I was in the Word. And the Word got in me. And so it says, all things are become new. And all things are of God. Now, we're going to get down to where we'll be preached at tonight. All things are of God who hath reconciled us. God has reconciled us to himself by or through Jesus Christ. And I circled this right here. I want you, I want you to see this. If you write your Bible, write in it or take notes. It says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God has given to all born again believers the desire to get people hooked up with him through Jesus. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit or to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespass unto them. Now look at this. I circled this. And committed unto us, has committed unto us believers the word of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Uh, well, what is that word? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. I'm going to talk about these things, but I want you to say it first. We're ambassadors for Christ. These things are what God says we are. Whether you feel like it or not, that's not how faith works. Faith works if the Bible says it about me, that I receive it. That's me. And we all may not be fully walking in what God says we are, but if God says we are, I'm going to agree with God. How about you? Says he's given us, he called us, the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. And so he says we're ambassadors for Christ, 
Now, here's what that word is. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, we praise you, pray in Christ's behalf that you be reconciled to God. That you be reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It says Jesus became sin for us, although he knew no sin, so we can be made righteous or right with God through Jesus. And so we are ambassadors for Christ because God said he wants us to be ambassadors for Christ. And God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And so I want you to see something as a backtracker. I want you to see something else. Verse 19, it says we're supposed to know that God was in Christ. God was in Christ. Reconciled the world into himself. And so as I read that devotion on Thursday, I, I, I was stirred about this. And I was thinking about my first pastor. He's in heaven now. But he, he preached this and taught this all the time. That's why in our church, we had a soul winning church. When I was a baby Christian, man, we came in. They had testimonies on Sunday night. And me and some of the other young guys, we took this to heart what God said. And so we, uh, we, we might have been a little bit in the flesh in it. We took it to heart and we kind of had a contest. And you know, what, what, it just, we kind of did that we seemed to lead the most people to the Lord that week. And so we come in on Sunday nights and there's about three or four of us young guys. The pastor would always let us give testimonies about what happened during the week. And so during the week, I believe we all had testimonies. We led people to Jesus all the time. And why did that? Why did we do that? Number one, we stayed full of Jesus. And then number two, when you're full of Jesus, and you got your mind on one thing. When you're, and I, I kind of had a thing I always said to myself, and I prayed to the Lord about it. I was a single guy, and so I said, Lord, the people I meet, whether it's the most beautiful woman in the world or the ugliest guy, I don't want to see them on the outside. Let me see their soul. And so if I was talking to a woman or a man, young, old, whatever they were, whatever color they were, it made no difference. I looked them in the eye. And when I talked to them, I'd look in their eyes, and I kind of got, you kind of get serious sister spiritual things. And I would just be thinking all the time I was talking to them, I'm looking for an opening. I'm going to fill them out and see where they are Christ. So I can pray for people. That way it become easy. It become easy to lead people to Jesus because when that's your goal, and you're just you watching some goofy movie or TV shows all night or sitting around telling dirty jokes or whatever else you're doing, if your mind was on one thing, that I'm a soul winner for Jesus. I'm out here at the people I meet. They may not be here tomorrow. They may die. The people I meet, I don't know what's going on in their life. They may be getting ready to go to court tomorrow, going to be in serious trouble and go to prison for years. You never knew who you were meeting out there. So always, 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 I stayed open for that because I had the ministry of reconciliation, not as a teaching, but in my heart. And you know, when I think about the reconciliation thing, I think about a couple of things. I didn't, I, I never looked up any definitions or any Greeks or Hebrews or anything else. I just know I, I live in the real world and I, I don't need to impress people with what I read in somebody else's books. I live in the real world and when I'm talking to people like I am tonight, I like to talk in ways that I hope people understand. And so reconciliation to me means a couple of things of the older generation in here will understand a little bit what I'm saying more than the younger. But back in the early 1970s, you couldn't get a divorce about anywhere unless you committed adultery. That's what the laws was. They wouldn't just give you a divorce because the two people showed up and said, 
I woke up this morning. I don't like him anymore. They said, I don't like her. I don't like him. And they didn't do that. But California, I'm pretty sure California passed the first law called irreconcilable differences. You couldn't get a divorce. So California, uh, good old California, they did it again. But we're here to change that. We're here to help California be a Jesus state all the way. Irreconcilable differences. And so what that meant was that all two people had to say is we don't like each other anymore. And you know something that I, when I used to do the marriage thing, premarital things, I used to tell people, you don't fall in love because if all you do is fall in love, you can fall out of love. A love relationship grows. You grow, you know each other. You begin to love each other with the love of God. Then when you do it, it makes it easier to stay together when hard times come. But anyway, they come up with that. So irreconcilable differences mean people are not in unity anymore. They're not in harmony anymore. They're not in agreement anymore. And so that's what, that's what God said here in 2 Corinthians 5, that it was God in Christ reconciling the human race back to him. Adam and Eve sold us out as human race. They were connected with God, and God said, I want to reconcile them back. I want to get them back. Can you see that? That's what, that's one part of reconciliation I see that God said, we have the ministry of getting people back to me through Jesus. Amen. And then another thing I see, uh, when I was in high school, I don't, I don't know what all they teach there now. We probably got some school teachers in here tonight that, you know, teach things. But I know I took a class called business math. Do they still teach business math? Anybody know? Anyway, I was a sophomore. I took business math. And one thing they did in business math, believe it or not, they taught us math. And also, they taught us practical things to help us in life. And one of the things they taught us is how to reconcile your checkbook. Ministry of Reconciliation, to reconcile your checkbook. And so I have a checkbook, a real checkbook. And I got a smart early phone too. I got my bank apps on there. And so I see things. And so very frequently with my checkbook ledger, somebody said, what's a checkbook ledger? A checkbook ledger is something you learn the easy way or hard way how to use it. And you might have it on a computer. But the thing is, I still carry a real checkbook. I still write real checks. I do other things too. I mean, I'll do more than that. But I like to know that when I write a check, it's going to clear. Somebody said, what do you mean? What's it going to clear? I never heard of that before. You didn't take business math back in the 1960s. And so in business math, they taught us how to reconcile our checkbook. And so in your checkbook, when you write down things you're doing, then you get a, used to get a statement once a month, got our statement. If they didn't match up, that mean they weren't in agreement. So you had to reconcile them. And that's my ministry of reconciliation for my finances. I got to be able to agree with the bank. And so you go through your ledger and you look at your bank statement, you start checking things off and matching things up. And then normally you'll find there's a mistake you made. You forgot to put an entry in. Or you put something down wrong, and so you gotta work with it, you get it back in agreement with the bank. Cause if you're not in agreement with the bank, sooner or later it's gonna catch up with you. And so that's another reconciliation I see. In other words, what I see reconciliation means, you gotta be in agreement. You gotta be in harmony. 
And you know, the world has a saying, uh, probably got a lot more sayings now than this, but many roads lead to Rome. You ever heard that one? Many roads. Well, you know what? There's only one way that leads to heaven. Not many ways. I remember when I used to witness people that say things like the many roads lead to Rome and all these different things they got. But the whole thing is they're not reconciled to God. My job, my calling as a minister of reconciliation is to be able to show them what the bank statement says. Show them what the marriage covenant's about so they can get an agreement with what God has written. Because it doesn't make any difference what your good ideas is. It doesn't make any difference how much education you have or don't have. It doesn't make any difference how poor or how wealthy you are. The whole thing is God said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who's ever believeth that their way is the best way, they might go to heaven. No, he said, who's ever believeth in him, will go to heaven. And so as ministers of reconciliation, says he committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And so we need to be able, as born-again believers, just to all the time, just be ready to be able to share that word. And I know that uh, I, I was talking to Mrs. Pastor a while ago about that that, ministry, that street ministry we had for a couple of years in Noblesville, Indiana. Well, we're, we're big in healing. How many have been around long enough? No, we're really big in healing around here. Why are we big in healing? Because the Bible's big in healing. Amen. And so, and so we would knock on people's doors and go door to door. And the first thing we'd say is this, is there any sick among you? We'd introduce ourselves who we were, but we'd say, is there any sick among you? And we'd pray for people because people everywhere, people everywhere are open to somebody really helping them. And so we'd talk about Jesus and we'd pray for people. Hasn't been blind, blind people healed back in those days and different ones. We had a lot of blind people healed for some reason that season. I mean, just, we did. Remember one day had a lady with there, she'd blind in one eye and paralyzed. She'd had a stroke. As the Lord had his minister to her, her eye popped open, she saw, and she started walking. But the thing is, when you're out there where people are that aren't church people, people out there that need to know Jesus, then the power of God shows up if you show up. Amen. So that, that, the ministry of reconciliation, it, it's very real. And I, I think about this here when it says in verse 18 that all things are of God. We've got to realize that we got, we have God's spiritual DNA now. I'm not talking about your physical body, but God's DNA. And you know what God's DNA says? Real simple. John 3.16. We've got that DNA in us. And that DNA, uh, because we have his nature in us now, I like to call the DNA God's divine nature and ability. DNA. Divine nature and ability. That's why Jesus said in Mark 16 that we as believers, we preach the gospel to every creature. That means we're all always ready to share what we know. But at the same time, Jesus said, now you're in my name, you lay hands on him and I'll heal him. He said, you cast out demons and I'll deliver them. He told us to do that. Jesus is in heaven, we're on earth. We're the representatives. And did you notice there, he says we're ambassadors for Christ. Well, once again, I don't have to read any kind of fancy Hebrews or Greeks or religious books to tell what an ambassador is. I remember it was in Nicaragua. It's one of the uh, 
places I have seen the real embassy at Nicaragua. I don't know if you remember it, Pastor David. Right? Dave, you remember the embassy on that main road into Managua? All of a sudden on the main highway out of all this jungle of poverty, great, great big huge complex, great big fancy building. It's in Central America, but it's America. We have Russians, Chinas, and other people's embassies in America, but that's their territory. We let them come here. That's their embassy. They're representing China, uh, Russia, wherever they're from. When we're over there, other countries, we're not subject to them. We're subject to our laws because we're representing America. We come over there to those places to want to influence them with American ways. And the ambassadors over there have, have authority from the United States government to tell the good things of America, to bring our traditions, our ways over there, let people know about those. Well, he says we're an ambassador for Christ. And do you know when an ambassador to another foreign country goes there, they don't have to pay their own way? Amen. The ones that sent them takes care of them. Well, that's why the Bible says things like Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your need. Amen. That's why Jesus said, uh, freely you sit, freely go. And so if we'll recognize that we're backed up by the kingdom of heaven, it makes it easy to pray for people. As an ambassador, it makes it easy to give my last dollar to somebody. Because I know there's plenty more where that came from. It came, it came, came from my headquarters, heavenly headquarters. That's why so many things in the Bible, it tells us to do. If Christians get a hold of this, God's the one that saved you. He's the one that wants you to take what you've got to somebody else, and you cannot be afraid to share what your government gave you. You know, you think about these ambassadors, natural ambassadors. They go places like that. They don't worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink. They don't worry about who's taking care of them because they know America is. Well, if God said we're ambassadors, we're ambassadors. That's why I've never been afraid to pray for sick people. Because I know I don't have the healing anyway. He does. He sent me. He said, pray in his name. He does the healing. That's why I'm not afraid to pray for an addict. Because I know the one that's got the power to deliver the addict. I remember uh, down in Houston, Texas, back in April 1981. A friend and I were down there single. We were working the streets in Houston. And I'll never forget it. I've never seen one like this since then. Met, met a street guy. And he was... Man, this guy was slobbered, drunk. He couldn't talk. His words were slurred, messed up like that. And in my heart, I knew the whole Lord said, if you'll pray for him, I'll sober him up. Man, I grabbed this guy's hand, and I said something like this, Satan, I break your power over this man's life in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Who are you? What are you doing? I said, man, I'm here. I'm here praying for you. You need help. And so my friend then took him into a restaurant and he ministered to him for a couple hours. Just get this guy all fixed up in life. But the thing was, drunks don't just snap out of it like that. But when God's on the scene, my headquarters sent the power of God down. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, he said, you've got authority over demons. So the things that had that man bound, we took authority over it. But the whole thing was what I'm telling you tonight I'm kind of cutting things short because we're getting ready to have this baptism service. But the Bible says that God has committed unto us as believers the ministry of reconciliation. And so something I can tell everybody that, uh, you know, there's people because they don't know the Bible well 
or haven't been taught well, say, well, I feel God's got a special purpose for me. I just showed you. God's got a special purpose for you. You need to be able to be ready to pray for people. And I was telling Mrs. Pastor something we used to do. Let's, let's make a little demonstration. We're going to turn this back over to Pastor Dave just pretty quickly. But if we are all workers for the harvest, we ought to know how to work. I, th- I think it'd be terrible if you get a good job that is a well-paying job, benefits and stuff like that, and they you come there, clock in for a seat. Have at him, boy, go get it. Yes. I think, wow, what am I supposed to go get? How am I supposed to, I don't know, get what? How do I get what? I don't know what what is. Well, we're telling you right now, Jesus said that he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And you don't have to be a theologian to be able to tell somebody Jesus loves you. You have to be a theologian to tell somebody that I used, to, I used to drink a lot and Jesus set me free. I used to be addicted to whatever it was and Jesus set me free. I used to be afraid to go to sleep at night because my own shadow scared me. You tell them, I used to be like that too, that Jesus set me free. And so I'm going to quote one more verse to you and I'm going to show you what we've done. I'd have to say thousands of times these last 40 plus years. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised you from the dead, you'll be saved. It says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness, unto salvation. And so a lot of people think you have to read something off of a card, have to have a canned thing. Well, that always comes off real big. Whole thing is, if it's real to you, it's your life. You know, when I was a truck driver, I, I talked to super duper PhDs at one business and the next business, a bunch of illiterate, uh, high school dropouts. And so the whole thing is the gospel message is not something you plan out. It's your life. And it depends on who you're talking to, how you talk. But the thing is, when we used to go to door to door at the same time, matter of fact, here's what just happened Saturday in my life. It's, it's so easy to us. Two of your greatest tools are laying hands on the sick, they shall recover. And then cast out demons, which means you're breaking the power of the devil over somebody's life. I was talking to a man uh, Saturday, and we was talking about some things, and the guy keeps going, that's mm. why I'm getting up against his wall, oh, oh, like that. I thought, man, this guy's got some serious back problems. I want to help him. And so I waited, I waited until the time was right, and then I said, hey, I want to tell you something. I'm a pastor, but I'm a believer. And I pray for people all the time in the name of Jesus. I said, can I pray for you? And, oh, oh, yeah. And so all I did, it's okay now. I said, I do this in my church all the time, but other people do it too. I said, Jesus said, we'll lay our hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so I said, is it okay if I touch you? Yeah. And so I put my hand on his back. I said, where's it hurt at? So right there, right there. As so I put my hand on him, and I didn't pray some religious prayer. I did what I do here. I said, Satan, take your hands off this man right now in the name of Jesus. I don't mean maybe. I mean, take your hands off of him. And I said, Lord, you told me to lay my hands on the sick. In your name, they shall recover. So I thank you right now. The healing power of God's going to this man's back. And he's getting better right now, Lord, because you said it. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
As we'll see right there, right there was a door open because that's a tool. Got to tell one more story, Mom. Just, just stay available, stay available, stay available. Well, see, as, as Christians that have the Holy Spirit in them, how many here are born again? Amen. We all got the same spirit then. Well, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that your father knows the number of every hair on your head. And so he knows everything about these people, when they lay down, when they get up and their lives. One time I was delivered to a place called RCA. Anybody ever heard of RCA? They're still around. Well, anyway, the place I was at was their picture tube place where they did that. They started to make VCR tapes and things. But anyway, I was in there and this girl on a forklift was coming in and was unloading my truck. And all the time I talked to this girl, she's going like this, young girl in her twenties, just kept going like that. And of course I did what I always did. I was praying, say, Lord, what can I do? I want to witness this girl. I want to talk to her. I want to help her. And so she just kept scratching. And finally I, I said, I said, Hey, I said, I said, uh, what's going on with you all this scratching and stuff? And then I started talking about Jesus. She said, Oh, my dad's a preacher. I said, Oh, okay. Well, that's really good. I said, I'm glad for that. And then I started talking some other stuff. And so then she coming in out all the time I was praying because I, I wanted to help this girl. And so she came in and I said, can I pray for you about that itching? And she said, yeah, but I knew, I knew the organization said she was with, but they didn't believe in new birth. And so she's going in and out. And so I said, can I pray for you? And so she said, yeah. And so got a hold of my hand and then my hand went into a vice grip. She couldn't let loose. I got a hold of her hand. I said, I break, because the Lord let me know it was, it was a demon. I said, I break the power of the devil. And boy, she tried to get away, but she couldn't. Because my hand had a hold of her, released the anointing of God. In Jesus' name, I break the power of the devil. I loose the anointing of God. And the girl got out of there quick. But she came back in. And after a couple more trips, I noticed she wasn't scratching anymore. I said, where'd that scratch go? She said, I don't know. I've had that all my life. I said, Jesus took that. I said, it's gone. And so then I said, Lord, on this side, I said, Lord, can I lead her through a prayer of salvation? And he said these words to me. He said, no. He said, I'm working with that family. I want her to take that back to her dad, that she just got healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what I'm saying is this. When we're walking with Jesus in the ministry of reconciliation, you know, in modern times, everybody got the little bud in their ear. Well, we got the spirit in our heart. And so we got something better than somebody giving us signals. We got somebody leading us. And do what we're doing. I'm telling you for your own sakes that you are called to the word of reconciliation and God wants you to be able to share that. And so lots of times, this is pastor and I happens all the time today. We're in a restaurant and we're, we always tip real good because we don't want to have that tag on us that too many servers get out of people that the, they hate Sunday because Christians come in. I've been told that more than once from family members that too many times on Sunday and then they got the little cheesy $20 bill that's a track. And they put this little fake $20 bill on there that says Jesus loves you. And so, and so anyway, we have found out that servers at restaurants especially they're people like we are. There's no, there's no woman really that has a house full of kids that wants to be out there working at a restaurant day and night trying to get a few bucks. She's out there because she has to be. And so that's some of the most uh, open people in the whole world for prayer, for prayer for people. So, so many times have we stuck a good tip in their hand. We're holding their hand. And they can I pray for you? 
and then go ahead and turn it into prayer. Sometimes we're able to leave in that prayer of salvation, Romans 10, 9 and 10, to be able to share with them, do you believe that Jesus is God's son? Do you believe he was raised from the dead? And a good part of the people in America, they heard that. They know that. That makes it easy to pray for. But that's that's the ministry of reconciliation and being able to not only share about him, but actually pray with somebody. And, you know, I want to say this. My pastor used to say this. Uh, there's people in sales, and a salesman doesn't eat if he doesn't sell. And so it's one thing to have a good sales pitch. It's another thing to close the deal and get their name on the contract. Well, see, it's one good thing for Christians to share their faith and then say, well, I'll tell you what, come to my church on Sunday and my, my preacher will pray for you. Well, at the point, at the point in time when you're there, you've just made your best pitch. You're the one that needs to close that deal. You're the ones that need to say, can I pray with you? Cause right then, that is, it's not trickery at all. It's not a con job. The Holy Spirit's on them. When the Holy Spirit's working, that's when you pray and then you say, can you come to church with me on Sunday? Amen. You don't get them to church to get them saved. Hopefully you get them saved to get them to church. But anyway, keep on bringing them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Pat, Pastor and I usually uh, work together because we're together 24-7. So we're usually together. So uh, back in the day when we went door to door, um, we call them cases. So sometimes the person behind that door was my case. Sometimes the person behind that door was his case, and we would know it. Like if a big burly guy answered the door, it was my case, because I was a softening agent. She didn't want me to get punched. <laughs> yeah, I was the softening agent. You understand what I'm saying? She is so, the softening. Yeah, I want, I want to say that. And then also, um, when you're out working the streets or whatever, or at the grocery store, or whatever, um, talking to the cashier. Um, they're a captive audience because they can't leave their station. <laughs> you know, and how many, I don't know how many times I've been going through the line at the Walmart. How are you doing today? La la la. You know, always be joyful and joyful and cheerful and smile and, and, uh, ask them, you know, look at their name tag. What's your name? You know, remember their name. And, uh, um, they'll say, Oh, I got such a headache. Bing. Open door. Open door. Open door. Open door. Open door. They said it. Well, can I pray for you? So a lot of times, you know, you know, yeah. So they stop what they're doing. The line's lining up. Who cares? They can see all this stuff. And then you pray for their healing. Another thing when you're out, out in the streets, out and about doing your thing is the Holy Ghost, the word of knowledge works big time. He will tell you something about that person. I remember one time when we were going door to door, this young pregnant gal answered the door. And uh, I started talking to her about her husband or something like that. And then the Holy Ghost, I about, I about fell over. He said, she's not married. You know, I had no way of knowing that, but the Holy Ghost told me that. And then another time we were going door to door. We were in this apartment building. And uh, we went to pray for this lady's healing. And the Lord wouldn't let us. And uh, the Holy Ghost told me, she's got unforgiveness. And so I said, wait a minute. I said, um. Do you, are you holding unforgiveness against somebody? Now, this is heavy, Rebbe, I'm going to tell you. She said, yes, I can't forgive my daughter-in-law. She murdered my son. And I thought, well, you know, I said, well, are you willing to let the Lord help you to be able to forgive her? And she said, yes. So I prayed that the Lord, Lord would help her to be able to forgive. 
And so, you know, she was willing to do that. So then we prayed for her and, and she was healed. We went back and checked on her a couple of weeks later and, and she was doing really well. So anyway, it's good stuff. Amen. 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 So. And, and I know we've got to be closing the prayer for people, but I, I just want to ask you a question. And it's just, it's not a setup, it's just a question. How many people, how many people got healed in the past year through your hands? And, you know, if you say none, then that's how many times did you lay hands on them? None. And so mo- the majority of the time when you're out there in the world, you pray for people, the power of God shows up strong in their lives. And, you know, I can say, I can say this, how many people have you led through the sinner's prayer the last two months? You know, say, well, I really, I, I pray, I pray for nobody. Well, you think there's a lack of sinners? There's plenty of people around that need Jesus. And the thing is, we as Christians have to know that what we've got is real. We don't have a religion. We serve a living God. And he told us there in Second Corinthians chapter 5, he says, the word that he's committed to us is this, it was God in Christ. Reconcile the world to himself. And so many people don't realize that when a real Christian like you talks to them, and especially when you're on your jobs and things, you may not know this, but you've got more credibility with the people you work with than I do. All I am, some religious preacher to them, he's just some guy over there, he's just a religious guy, and they all want your money. Well, when you talk to them, and they know that you're the one that had that addiction, you're the one that had those problems. You're the one who used to hate coming to that job. And to see the change in you was you're having those little conversations. Things are just flowing. And you begin to share things of your life right there. They don't turn the screen off of the TV or whatever it is. I'm not going to watch her anymore. You're right there with them. They know you. They know you don't have an agenda. They know you're not phony. They know you're a real person. They know your family. They see you. They know the problems. And you don't have them anymore. So you got credibility. So the whole thing is... You just need to yourself when you're praying, say, Lord, give me boldness today. Lord, help me to recognize, help me to recognize who my cases are. Everybody's not your case, but some are your case. Lord, help me to recognize where there's an open door. There's somebody that's ready to hear about you. And you may get to pray with him. You may not. But the whole thing is where the door opens. And I found this out so many times. There's people that I've talked to that I forgot all about. And then, well, I hear about it years later. Well, that day we had that talk and such and such. You know, I've thought about that almost every day. And I've thought about that every day. And I realized that he was right. Well, the word's always right. And you're sharing it, not just the King James or some translation, but in your own talk, how you talk. Do you know that truck drivers... Have more open doors with truck drivers than they do doctors. But doctors have more open doors with doctors than they do truck drivers. Whatever it is you do in life, the people in your realm of influence, you got an open door. More than somebody else. Anyway, we've all been called the mystery of reconciliation. And when we, read, when we read our theme verse of Luke 10 2, we prayed for the workers. Well, guess what? Look in the mirror. Your prayer's been answered. We are workers. Amen. In the kingdom of God, not just in church but especially out there where the sinners are. That's what we do. Amen. Let's stand up.
And you know, I'm thinking about that so many times. I read these devotionals now. I see so I see so much in these. If you're wanting to know what teaching your Bible studies, start looking at some of these things in here. They will really help you. All right, are we ready up there yet? They're not out there yet. All right, who's our music? No, he's not there. All right, so we're saying goodbye to the social media people. Okay, here comes the music. Now, how many knew I could do that? I'm doing that in the spirit, but you can't. You just can't see that. <laughs> That's how faith works. I can play the piano now. I don't even have a piano. <laughs> All right, as, as we're beginning to worship the Lord, Mr. Pastor. Amen. Have any more altar workers here, Leah? Yeah, you what? Amen. Well, uh, we we are anointed. Word of God's been preached, and you know all the things we preach there. If if you what boldness? If you're thinking, man, I really want to be more vocal to share what I've got with other people, then come up here. We'll lay, we'll lay hands on you, and God will anoint you. It'll cause something to happen. At the same time, if you got a hurt back, we'll pray for your back. If you got a health problem, we'll pray for you. And just as surely as we can tell people out there, especially the church, we can tell you, don't leave here if you're hurting and you need help. Jesus is here and you know that, but we want to be able to pray for you if you need something. So anyway, we're, we're worshiping right now as we get ready. Come up here if you need it. We got it. And Jesus will do it. Amen.
if you have family members, then you can go up there when they when, when your person's up there when they call the name. You can go up there, but let's just let's just watch Jesus move in the lives of all these people. All right, praise the Lord. Well, is everybody excited for some baptisms tonight? Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, first up is going to be Joey Whitaker, and so any of his family can come up for uh, some pictures if they want to. Come on in, Joey. Amen. Very good. All right. We love this guy right here. He's given his life to the Lord, and so we're excited about that. Praise God. Amen. Give them a second to help her out there. Amen. Yeah. All right. We good? All right. Very good. All right. We're okay? All right. Okay. Amen. She's excited to see her son get baptized. Amen. All right, Joey, you're going to face this way, my man. Okay. We're going to ask you a couple of questions here, sir. So, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes, I do. Okay, I'm going to have you step right up here. Then go ahead and hold your nose. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Yep, amen. He's a new man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Next up, we have his wife, Jamie Whitaker. So let's hear it for Jamie, everybody. All right. Watch your step here. Very good. All right. We're excited for this. Amen. Okay. We're going to have you face this way right here. All right. Jamie, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes, I do. Okay, step right up here. Go ahead and hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yes, very good. All right. Next up, we have the granddaughter, Aria, is going to come in with us, all right? Aria, just watch your step, honey. All right. Very good. All right, Aria, come right over here. How old are you? Uh, Eleven. Eleven. What grade are you in? Six. All right, you've got a sixth grader getting baptized tonight, everybody. Very good. Okay, Aria, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, step right up here. Go ahead and hold your nose. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Then we've got her brother Sutton coming in. All right, come on, my man. Very good. So how old are you, son? Nine. Nine? All right. What grade are you in? Fourth. Fourth. All right. Very cool. Well, let me ask you. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay. Step right up here. 
Hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then we've got their mom, Brittany, is going to be coming in next. All right. Very good. Very excited. Hold the rail there. All right. Brittany, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes, I do. Okay. Step right up here, please. All right. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior... I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> All right, very good. Next up we have Saul, everybody. So his family can come on up tonight. Amen. Awesome. Saul Barco, right? Amen. Very good. Well, we're... He's been with us here for a little bit now, six months or so, maybe, right? About that time? Yeah, about that. (laughs) Amen. We love having him and his wife with us, part of the church here now. And we just love seeing the growth that's taken place there. So, Saul, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, I'm going to have you step right up here. Okay, go ahead and hold your nose. Then upon the confession of your faith... And Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Very cool. Very exciting. Amen. Amen. All right. Next up we have Joseph. Joseph Figueroa. All right. Come on, buddy. Very good. Love seeing these young guys get in here. All right. So, how old are you, my man? Nine years old. What grade are you? Third grade. We got a third grader on our hands. Amen. All right, Joseph, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, step right here. Go ahead and hold your note. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So everyone can see her? Yes. Okay. This is Joriah, everybody. So. <laughs> How old are you? Seven years old. What grade are you in? First grade. Love it. All right. Very good. So, Joriah, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay. Hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith... In Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Then we've got Mom coming next. We've got Amber, everybody. All right. Watch your step. All right. Very good. This is Amber. All right. Amber, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? I do. 
Okay, awesome. We're going to have you step right here and hold your nose. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, amen. Awesome. All right. And we got Patrick coming in next. Patrick, everybody. All right. Very good. All right. Love this guy. All right, Patrick, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son, that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, step right up here. Okay. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Very good. All right, and then we've got Angelina coming with us here. Angelina, very good. Now, I've got to give a shout-out to her. Here comes her mom. All right, get Connie up here. Connie got baptized this morning. We're excited for that. And then Angelina's been a part of our church family for a while, but she moved to Bishop uh, because she got a job up there. She drove all the way here from Bishop today just to get baptized. So let's hear it for Angelina. She even worked today. Did you yeah, Did you I work did. in Mammoth or Bishop? No, in Bishop today. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, we're excited. This is commitment, so we appreciate her very much. So, Angelina, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, step right up here. Go ahead and hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Awesome. Very good. Okay. All right, everybody. That is our last baptism for tonight. Uh, But of course, everyone's asking me, when can I get baptized? We'll be doing it again probably the month of May. And so if you've never been baptized yet, uh, we really encourage you. This is something that you need to do as a born-again Christian to make a public statement of your faith. And so you'll get a chance again here in May really, really soon. But thank you, everybody. I'll go ahead and let uh, maybe Mrs. Pastor close out the service for us tonight. And uh, she's going to uh, she's going to pray and then do the Barstow Faith Confession and you can be dismissed. Thank you, everybody. We love you. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. Praise God. We'll close out in prayer. Father, we thank you for what a glorious day we've had here today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word that came forth this morning and this evening. We thank you, Lord, for all the answered prayer and the healings during the prayer line. Father, we thank you for all these baptisms that we had today. Lord, you're so good. You're so gracious. We thank you, Father God. We're grateful to you, Lord. We're a thankful people. Father, so we thank you, Lord, that as we go our separate ways, you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. So we thank you, Lord, that you're constantly with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's say the Barstow Faith Confession. Are you ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.